Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Today, the Mortification of Spin crew joins the public discussion on gender identity and the current sexual revolution. Who gets to determine a person's gender? How should we talk about these issues? And what should the church and pastors do about it? Let's join the conversation. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're so glad that uh, you've taken time to listen in. And we do have another installment of Desperate Theologizing. Carl has uh, a great suggestion uh, for the holder of that title today. Carl, what have you found? Yeah, well, I found this great website, sanctuaryfirst.org.uk, run by Albert Bogle. I have to say, aesthetically, it's very, very pleasing. It's a very nicely done website, and it contains, I think, more phrases that I love on a single web page than any other web page I've, I've ever seen. I mean, as I've, I logged on this morning at the header, there's Speaking Truth to Power. Nice. Fantastic. That's part of the Jesus Conversations. Um, and then we go to uh, blog posts with titles such as, So What Makes the Holy Message on the Superhighway So Attractive? <laughs> and we also get into uh, things like People of the Way in Conversation, The Journey is Made on the Way, and my, my personal favorite, Let Me Live in Your Story. Mm. And I mentioned this to my wife the other day, and I mentioned Todd Pruitt, and she said to me, if ever that Pruitt guy lives in your story, I'm going to divorce you. <laughs> and, and no church session in the country would not regard me as having biblical grounds for doing this. <laughs> so, uh, I think we have, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I recommend our listeners go and look at this webpage. You know, somewhere... 2008 is always in fashion. And I think, you know, <laughs> at sanctuaryfirst.org.uk, those of you who loved the year 2008 will absolutely love uh, sanctuaryfirst.org.uk. So, Albert Bogle, I'm delighted to be able to honor a man who uses so many emergent phrases on a single web page with the title of this week's Desperate Theologizer. your story here, Todd. <laughs> exactly. Right on my pathway as we discuss something. <laughs> well, let's. I think it's time for us to speak truth to power. So, you know. how about okay, fe- yeah, yeah. fetching coffee to power? Amy? Hey. Oh, sure, sure. Fetch the coffee Show you to some power. Power, <laughs> power of hot coffee on yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that we have talked about a few times here on Mortification of Spin is the. Oh, what I would call the new uh, sexual revolution. There's been a sexual revolution going on for a long time, but it seems to have entered into a, a new and very influential uh, stage, complete with um, gender chaos and all of the things that, uh, that go along with that. Just a couple weeks ago, 
um, as we're recording this today. Um, a, a letter went out to um, school districts across the country uh, from uh, a joint letter from our uh, nation's departments of justice and education. And uh, it was from our attorney general, Loretta Lynch, and it outlined uh, several priorities that they are now pressing upon uh, our schools. Uh, things like, um, quote, treat students consistent with their gender identity, even if their school records or identification documents indicate a different sex. Another one reads this way, quote, allow students to participate in sex segregated activities and access sex segregated facilities consistent with their gender identity. And uh, then another one was protect students' privacy related to their transgender status under Title IX and the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act. Well, these things are far reaching and they have huge implications for what is going to be going on in our schools and how our children's minds are going to be conditioned in regard to this. Um, but I wanted to kind of throw it out uh, as a discussion for us today. Uh, the new sexual revolution, what are we seeing? Is it as bad as it seems? And what are some of the pastoral implications? How, how should the church be talking to parents and their children about this issue? Carl and Amy, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the first thing to do is to, to we, we have to set this in a much longer historical context and don't really have time to do that today. Uh, but I would I would say the very speed at which transgenderism has, has, has virtually triumphed in this country indicates that the the foundations for it are very deep and were laid a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we have to see the sexual revolution as part of a fundamental revision of what it means to be a human person that has been going on for many centuries now. Whether you blame late medieval voluntarism, whether you blame romanticism, whether you blame the Enlightenment, whether you blame soap operas, I, mean, I think all of these things play into it. But what we're seeing is a fundamental redefinition of, of human personhood, of which this is the sexual component. I would say if you look at euthanasia policy, for example, that's another uh, phenomenon and that's another symptom of deep transformations of what it means to be a human person. The abortion debate also features into it. So the first thing I'd want to do is say, let's not get hypnotized by the sexual revolution and its, its incidentals without seeing that this is part of a much grander redesigning of the definition of human personhood. Right. When we talk about the sexual revolution, oftentimes our, mind, our minds go back to the 1960s, uh, the 1970s, um, and certainly those were eras where um, uh, behavior that was once sort of whispered about uh, began to be spoken about openly. It's not that people began to misbehave in the 60s, but there was a whole new openness about behavior that once had a, a measure of shame attached to it. And so it was rightly called a, a sexual revolution during that time. Now, it's, that sexual revolution hasn't slowed down or abated, but something's new in these days, and it goes back to, Carl, what, what you were talking about. There seems to be now, instead of just a seeking after pleasure, there seems to be now a, 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 an ontological element to this where, where now we're def- redefining the person. And so along with the sexual revolution, you have this whole gender chaos that has been um, accompanying it um, as, uh, as well. So let me ask you all this question, because I've been asked this. Um, is it what we're seeing now 
uh, I, I've, I've had a couple people ask me this just in the last month or so. Is it as bad as it looks? Or are we going to look back at this in a few months or a year and say, okay, we, yeah, it was bad, um, but it looks like it hasn't, you know, some of the alarm was uncalled for. Uh, how would you respond to that? Is it as bad as it looks, or are we going to look back and think, hmm, didn't end up being as bad as we thought it might be? I think it's as bad as it looks. And yeah. I think that, um, you know, one thing that isn't new from the 60s and 70s is the way this is being pushed forward with propaganda. Mm -hmm. um, one really great book I was reading about um, with the sexual revolution hijacking the women's movement is called Subverted by Sue Ellen Browder. Mm -hmm. And she just really demonstrates how it was the use of propaganda that really takes away people's freedom to make mm -hmm. decisions based on truth. And they don't even know what's happening mm -hmm. because they're withholding truth by using terms mm -hmm. that are emotionally charged. And we really don't right. know what they mean by them. Right. And you see that happening now, too. So, right. you know, to really help people look at you know, what values are we fighting for? Because right. so many of these words mean so many different things to different people. Right. Right. And I think on when you think about the legal side of this, once you, you make identity sexuality, once sexuality yeah. becomes right. fundamental to your identity, what you're able to do then, both in the in the sphere of what I might call public rhetoric, and also in the sphere of of law, is co-opt civil rights stuff. Mm -hmm. Whether it's legislation, whether it's rhetoric, you can co-opt the civil rights stuff, right. which makes it very very difficult to stand against because mm -hmm. the the LGBTQ movement now comes with the full weight of you know, the nightmares of Jim Crow and segregation mm -hmm. behind. Mm -hmm. So if you if you try to stand against transgender bathrooms, for example, in, in the local schools, you sound like a segregationist. Right. You know, and that's exactly the, the line that uh, that Loretta Lynch, the attorney general, yeah. drew in yeah. that letter. That mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, she, she compared any opposition to this to Jim Crow era racism. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, your arguments for transgender bathroom, against transgender bathrooms could be good arguments or bad arguments, but mm -hmm. actually the quality of the argument doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the mm -hmm. position that has been rendered immoral by the framework of rhetoric and increasingly legal precedents that surround it. Right. Um, just as a, as a point, you, you brought out there, Todd, earlier when you were talking about this letter that mm -hmm. said that a child's gender identity was subject to confidentiality. Yeah. Just think about the implications of that for, for a moment. It actually means, yeah, it means that the school if a child goes to school mm. and says, I'm actually a girl trapped in a boy's body, the school can't notify the parents about that, which actually means according to the framework that the LGBTQ people themselves are using for identity, the parent has no right to know the identity of their child. Right. That's, that's their own logic. So what we're actually seeing, and I'm no big government, I know you're a government conspiracy theorist talk <laughs> but mm -hmm. think about how that shifts power mm -hmm. basically the school has more rights over the child than the parents do the parents don't even have a right to know who the child is mm -hmm. and that's right. that's breathtaking right. and that's it breathtaking doesn't take bad law Right. And it doesn't take a conspiracist to to see that. I mean, if you go back to the late 19th, early 20th century to some of the free love advocates at that time, they were already then talking about how government institutions and schools needed to have more say in the lives of children than parents do. And so th this is 
this is a, a, a rather open secret um, in this movement. That, yeah. um, and, and one of the things you're already seeing among some of the advocates is that, and it goes to your point, is that minor children uh, should be given the right and the authority to seek medical treatment yeah. to begin changing their gender. Uh, so, so that means <clears throat> a, an eight-year-old, for instance. They want an eight-year-old to be able to pursue um, hormone therapy um, and that if a parent denies that, then that is akin to a parent denying necessary medical treatment yeah, yeah. to that child. The, the, some of them are being very open um, a, a, about this. And, and here's so a com another complete contradiction. Like, we're willing to give eight-year-olds hormone therapy, and yet we don't want hormones pumped into our chicken breast. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. like, this yeah. doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You know, my son, my son had to take uh, uh, some Advil uh, for a while to decrease some inflammation in his heart because he'd gotten a, a virus that, that, affect, that kind of uh, inflamed his heart uh, for a couple of months. And so he had to take two Advil while, while he was at school each day. And he had to have written permission from us. Right. Uh, a cough and, drop. You need exactly. permission. And, and, and he's a 16-year-old. He's a 16-year-old. And he had to go to the school nurse to get his two Advil in the middle of the day uh, every day. And yet, uh, we're, we're having uh, open discussions on children far younger than my 16-year-old son mm -hmm. uh, to be able to receive. And these discussions, I mean, what's really bothering me, too, is just the over-sexualization of children in general. Um, when my daughters were preteens, it was so hard to go shopping for them. Um, just yep. the clothes that are out there for yep. them in the juniors department still. And then um, we did have, um, we did have one of my daughters, you know, when she was in seventh grade, a, a girl on her sports team came out as a, a lesbian mm -hmm. and it was a friend of hers. And so we had this opportunity to, um, you know, we weren't really ready for that opportunity, sure. but to discuss these things with our daughter, um, you know, this is a girl we love and mm -hmm. um, know her history, and she does have a, a family background that's very broken. But, um, you know, one thing that we talked about with our daughter, too, was just how disturbed we were just on Instagram posts with her girlfriend yeah. um, showing public displays of affection. And we're like, you know, we would never want you to be physical like this with a boy. <laughs> Exactly. You know, like exactly. it's so strange that it's in your face at mm -hmm. such a young age um, with such over-sexualization connected to all this. And, and then to say, you know, just uh, sleepovers. We're like, well, you know, would we let you sleep over at, at a boy's house? You know, all these things had to come into play now that mm -hmm. it's a shame, but it was an opportunity to show love for the person and friendship for a person. And yet um, where our values are. Right. about our daughter as a person. Mm -hmm. And this leads, Amy, what you're saying, this leads into kind of the next phase of this where, where I want to go. Right. Ta let's talk about just a moment uh, some of the pastoral implications here. What, what, do, what ought uh, pastors and elders ought to be encouraging their parents to, uh, to do, to know? Um, uh, what, what ought we be encouraging parents uh, to do and to say uh, with their children, knowing that uh, the, the, the sources of input that our children are getting, mm -hmm. not just at school, but through all the media, through, through honey-made graham cracker commercials, mm. um, is, is pushing this upon them as something that is wholesome. And though, so therefore to deny it is... is Finding glory. Yeah, what do we want to... Exactly. What do we want to say uh, to them 
uh, about this? What what is the church's role to speak into the lives of parents and, and children? I certainly think that there's a responsibility on pastors at this point to to read up on this subject. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would recommend getting hold of Gabrielle Kuby. That's K U B Y's book, mm-hmm. The Global Sexual Revolution. Yes. Don't agree with everything in it, but it's a good narrative history of what's gone on and of the mm-hmm. significance of uh, sexual uh, revolution. I would also I would recommend that pastors sign up for something like uh, the daily the daily emails from Public Discourse at the Witherspoon yes. Institute. Again, they're not explicitly Christian, a lot of them, but the the daily posts you'll get through Daily Discourse, many of them deal with the the moral, ethical, philosophical, and legal aspects of what's going on in society at the moment. Yes. Read uh, Public Discourse uh, mm-hmm. each day, and it will help you navigate uh, the current uh, climate. Yes. I would also suggest that, that pastors and parents should not overestimate the traditional Christian views of their children because mm-hmm. this stuff is so pervasive and mm-hmm. is being pressed from all angles, even, even through commercials, right. sitcoms, soap operas, commercials. I think it's going to be increasingly weird to hold any other position than that that is socially and politically correct. So don't overestimate the fact that, you know, just because your congregants read Romans chapter 1 doesn't mean they get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because they read Genesis 1 to 3 doesn't mean they get it. Mm-hmm. So I think be intentional uh, in assuming a low level of knowledge and agreement when you, when you address these topics. Yep, yep. And, and yep. preach. Pastors need to be yes. preaching on, on these things and, and preaching winsomely but very clearly mm-hmm. that, that the biblical boundaries around sexual expression are grounded in, in the beautiful doctrines of creation and anthropology that this is, these are expressions of God's goodness to us. Our, our people and our kids need to be equipped for the why of those, of those boundaries mm-hmm. around behavior. Well, and I think um, one thing is, you know, you think of teenagers and you think, oh, they just don't care. They have that whatever attitude. But teenagers really do have strong convictions. Mm-hmm. And so I found with um, my oldest, um, you know, being able to get into some conversations with some of her friends about abortion and, and the value of life um, is important to her. Yeah. Yeah. So um, don't underestimate that, that teenagers have strong convictions. So help give them the right language to use, too. That mm-hmm. One thing from QB's book there that I really uh, gleaned is that language doesn't just reflect reality, it creates it. And yeah. so we need to, to make sure that we know the language that is being used exactly. yep. and how to engage with that. Yep. I've and had our a kids bu- need to know that. Exactly. In fact, I've had a bunch of conversations with my sons just on that very issue of late and they, and they're doing well but you know they talk about what they hear and uh and so I've been I mean, God's been very good been able to have some really good conversations about our language and our definitions. Right. I also just did a 6 or 7 week series through the first 3 chapters of Genesis and this summer um two of our TEs on staff are um leading a a just a mass Sunday school class um in the worship center uh with um with parents and kids together Oh, nice. on, on this subject all summer about human identity and worldview and, and the biblical uh, understanding of, of, of mankind, et cetera. And we just had our last one this past Sunday, and it was excellent. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, none of those things are, you know, will guarantee that your mm-hmm. child comes out believing what they ought to believe, but they certainly will help. Yeah, yeah. Don't be, uh, uh, don't 
underestimate the power of the media as well relative yes. to children and even to to adults you know, again the church is very fixated on internet pornography and to an extent rightly so it's one of the big pastoral issues of our day and not unconnected to the transformation of attitudes towards sex about which mm -hmm. we're talking at this point but i think the the understanding of what it means to be a human person that is projected through sitcoms, soap operas, commercials, is just as insidious yes. as a ex piece of explicit pornography. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you know I watch I'd watch a soap opera where I wouldn't look at pornography. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I I don't want to to make a moral equivalence between the two, mm -hmm. but I do want to say that we need to be aware that there are always, you know, every every soap opera, every movie is a commercial yeah. selling you a particular vision of mankind. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to be aware of that. Right. And in some ways, the commercials, like, like we've mentioned, you know, there's an Audi commercial, there's um, a Honeymade Graham Cracker commercial, and uh, Ikea commercial, so many of them already. One of the reasons they are so powerful is precisely because they're not pornographic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they, they present... As wholesome. Um, exactly. They, Campbell's, they, they, too. Yep. Yeah. Those, those commercials are preaching yeah. and showing this is as wholesome as your mom and dad. Yeah. This is as good and timeless as your mom and dad. And that's very powerful for a child yeah. uh, to see. Yeah. Because now suddenly his, his or her whole framework is, well, who are we to tell them that that's wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a powerful thing in, in the mind and the heart of a child. Mm. It's not an argument, it's an aesthetic. And aesthetics right. are right. notoriously difficult to counter because right. they they grip the the moral imagination, one mm -hmm. might say, in a way that sometimes arguments fail. Right, right. Well I would I, I, I would echo your and, and Amy, you, you referenced it as well. The Kubi book is is very helpful. It's Again, from tracing the history, but also as, as a wake-up call in many ways if a pastor has not been thoroughly engaged in this in his own mind. And that doesn't mean uh, you get up and uh, start screaming, you know, the sky is falling. At the same time, um, we do need to address this. And, and, and as you address your young people, you need to understand that um, if you come at them immediately alarmist, uh, you may confirm in their mind some of their already built-in prejudices on this thing but but come well armed uh, with a strong robust biblical doctrine of, of creation and a biblical doctrine of man um, and and again Amy's point on uh, capturing back the language because the words really do create uh, the argument here we, yeah. we've got to do a good job of that yeah so well we're so glad that you joined us uh, for this we, we hope you we've at least put a few good uh, uh, ideas out there for you and a couple of things to grab hold of. We're certainly going to be talking about this some more because it's being forced upon us. Um, and uh, we hope to be a, a, at least a, a decent resource for you. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance is a coalition of pastors, scholars, and churchmen 
who hold the historical creeds and confessions of the Reformed faith, and who proclaim biblical doctrine in order to foster a Reformed awakening in today's church. It's important to teach the church, and especially our children, how to navigate the culture's sexual climate. To help with that, we're offering a message at our website called Christian Godliness and Holiness, the importance of sexuality to the next generation. Visit mortificationofspin.org to listen to that message. And join us next time when Rod Dreher joins the conversation to talk about the Benedict Option. If you've never heard that term, you won't want to miss it. So it's a great pleasure to have the, uh, the journalist, pundit, uh, writer, uh, Rod Dreher with us today. Welcome to the show, Rod. Well, it, it's great to be here, Carla. <laughs> I, 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 for an introduction. I, should, I should tell your listeners that uh, I'm from South Louisiana, so uh, we have a, a habit here, a cultural habit. Whenever the hurricane is coming, you get out the gumbo pot, you ice down beer, and you call all your friends and neighbors to come over and let's have a hurricane party. So, <laughs> indeed, I, indeed, I see things as being culturally very, very bleak. But that is no cause to crawl under the bed and, and wait for the end. That's cause to fire up the gumbo pot and let's see what we can, <laughs> we can ride this out together. Sounds like fun. Join us for that conversation next time. And don't forget to read, comment, and subscribe to the Mortification of Spin blog. And to check out Christian Godliness and Holiness, the importance of sexuality to the next generation. We'll talk to you next time. Well, recently, uh, we've noticed... Uh, nah, no, I'm going to start over. Blah, 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 blah. Well, just a few weeks ago... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess the listeners can now tell that we, we don't read from cue cards. Uh, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> or maybe it's just that Todd has cue cards but can't read. This I mean, thing is the... so carefully scripted. <laughs> so carefully scripted. The sexual yeah. revolution? Does it <laughs> else, brother? Yes. Okay, so here we go. Truth to power, Todd. Yes, Come on. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just speak. I don't care about the truth to power. <laughs> <laughs>